0: Online advertising is a system of transactions that involve many different players. The user visits a publisher's website. The publisher notifies an exchange that the user is on the website. The exchange presents an opportunity to a marketplace that can buy that opportunity to show the end user the ad. And this is a simple example that's probably even less simple than the most simple realistic example. The transactions in online advertising are as opaque and rife with fraud as Wall Street, but it's even less regulated. Blockchain technology presents an opportunity to bring more transparency to the advertising ecosystem using a shared ledger. Ken Brook is the CEO of Vidroll, a video advertising company. Using his experience in the ad tech business, Ken is working on AdChain, a shared ledger for ad tech. In this episode, we explore ad tech, blockchains, and ad chain.
1: Ken Brook is the
0: CEO of Vidroll. Ken, welcome to Software Engineering Daily.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So today we're going to talk about advertising and the blockchain and ad chain, which is a advertising solution on the blockchain, and we'll get into all those things. but. I think the place to start is the advertising ecosystem. We've done a bunch of shows about advertising fraud, which can mean a variety of things. What are the biggest problems in the advertising ecosystem?
1: I think you know the biggest problem at the highest level is I think we have a, a serious coordination issue in the industry. You know, the ecosystem that makes up the online advertising industry consists of many different entities. And each entity, you know, provides product and services and they're all necessary and they all make up the supply chain. But the underlying problem is the inability to to coordinate and it's an interoperability and open access problem. And as a result, there's opaqueness, lack of transparency in the supply chain, you know, there's discrepancies, there's just a lot of issues that come out of, you know, the complexities of our industry. Hmm.
0: So there are lots of industries that are complex like I think of finance or perhaps the hospital industry where you have all these different players that all have their own interests some of these industries end up working out they function well enough some of them just have persistent problems actually I guess all of them have persistent problems that are hard to solve why are these problems so hard to solve the ones that exist in the advertising ecosystem
1: well, you know, I think all industries have their own sets of problems. And, you know, you could argue there's fraud in finance, you know, healthcare, you know, there's a lot sure. of there's a lot of issues. And, you know, anywhere we see a supply chain with demand and supply and, you know, this digital marketplace, you can see that, you know, the supply chain itself might be just an antiquated, you know, logistical model.
0: And so when you talk about the supply chain and you talk about the auditing process. So you know, when an ad gets displayed to somebody, what goes on in the back end is a complex web of exchanges. There's a lot of different transactions. They're selling, there's reselling. It is somewhat similar to finance in certain ways, but it's all digital. So you would think that, oh, we can just audit all of this because we have a log of the entire digital transaction right. stream. So, why is it so hard to audit? this system and, and estimate what's going on.
1: That's right. Because it is digital, you think that, okay, well, we can just, you know, audit this. There's there's the raw logs. You know, we can just access the it's logs. It's not like billboards. Right, right. You know, billboards is how do you measure awareness? And I guess, you know, it does come down to measurement. You know, it's impossible to audit a digital advertising supply chain because the, you know, you're working with such a, a limited data set. If you're acquiring, you know, data from each independent, and self-interested entity in the supply chain, they're going to provide their data reconciled with their partner's data, with their partner's data. And there's also no KYC element in this industry because you don't know everyone you work with, you know, so you have this, this kind of strange incentives that go on and without a universal set of standards and an agreed upon, you know, measurement of performance and the billable metrics, you just have these huge discrepancies.
0: Now, okay, but we do have some standards bodies. There's IAB. I think that's the – what is that? International Advertising Bureau or something? Like yeah, they, the inter- they,
1: Interactive Advertising Bureau. The they, so they're, the, they're the governing body of our industry. Right. And, you know, They do a great job providing these standards and guidelines. The problem, though, is that they're not enforceable. You know, you – you provide these guidelines that each entity in the industry is supposed to follow and that provides you know everyone the ability to operate at scale you know to make things more efficient hmm. and we use these standard protocols you know vast vpaid mraid rtb and this allows us to build technologies right. and and achieve these efficiencies
0: so iab is one governing body it is a you know we define it as a governing body but there's also players who are just so big that they can act as a governing body by virtue of how much deal flow they have for example Google Facebook, Facebook. Right. perhaps AppNexus so what are the roles of these of these organizations that have so much deal flow going through them that they can impose some sets of standards
1: you know, I think that's a loaded question. I don't know <laughs> if you saw the, the stats coming out of the IAB last year, but Google and Facebook were responsible for 99% of the advertising industry's growth. And that's staggering. Yeah. That's all of Q3. And, you know, what that tells me is that everyone else is playing a zero-sum game. And to be an independent ad tech player in this space today, it's tough. You're not only getting squeezed out by this duopoly, but you're facing all of these issues of fraud. And you're using the latest tools, but it's just, you know, you're paying for the latest mousetrap and it's an ongoing battle.
0: And my sense is that Google and Facebook, their systems are inherently a little more resilient to fraud because they have this login barrier that, that is sort of a stopgap against bot traffic because the bots can't get as good of a identity that,
1: I mean, to your point, they're, they're massive, you know, they're, they have an end to end, you know, solution for advertising and they consist and make up of the entire supply chain themselves. So when you, when you talk about, you know, standards, they can be compliant with themselves (laughs) because they pretty much own the industry. You know, they have the audience, they own the content, they have all the data. And they have the tech, you know, end-to-end to to execute on these campaigns. The problem, though, is it it comes down to trust. And, you know, just because they can be compliant with themselves, you know, you're forced to trust that.
0: It is to some degree like what we ruled on after the financial crisis where, okay, we don't want these banks taking customer funds and doing risky bets with them that might... Impact. it's it's like they they're they're playing both sides of the table in some sense. I mean, which is fine. It, it I'm not saying that that's necessarily something to criticize, but it's it is something to take into account where they control the ecosystem, like let's be honest. Yep. And I mean, there's like global ad spend was about 542 billion in 2016. Do you have any perspective for how much of that is captured by Google and Facebook?
1: I mean, people would argue that they capture at least 75%. Hmm.
0: Okay. Now, do Google and Facebook, do we have any perspective for how they look at fraud, how seriously they take fraud? Because, I mean, what's prob- it, it, it's kind of hard to tell because, in some sense, their incentives are, are not aligned with brand advertisers because the brand advertisers are spending money regardless of whether that ad is shown to a bot or if it's shown to a human but in some sense, the long-term integrity of the companies depend on advertising remaining something that does have integrity. Do you have any sense for for how Google and Facebook view fraud?
1: You know, the sense that I gather, they take a very quiet approach to online fraud. You know, I know that Google, as this publicly traded company, during their earnings reports and, you know, their statements, their public statements, they don't even mention, you know, online advertising fraud. Whereas other independent and publicly traded ad tech companies state, you know, to the shareholders that fraud is a major concern. You know, there is risk and liabilities when it comes to online advertising fraud. And, you know, given that that company's position, you know, Facebook is taking a stance on fake news. That's a kind of a big deal right now, given current events. And, you know, they're they're constantly, you know, battling measurement, you know, the billable You know metrics that they they use the formulas that they use to calculate you know advertising performance across their network, and you know how they source audience data, you know how they monetize this data. However, there really is no alternative. You know if if you have an advertising budget, you got to spend this budget. Where are you going to go? You know so it's it's really you know in everyone's best interests, including the free internet. You know that there is distribution of of power when it comes to, you know, content delivery and monetization.
0: Hmm. And we will get into that with the ad chain stuff, but a little more on Facebook. So I remember reading in, did you read Chaos Monkeys?
1: I started to, I'm halfway through. Oh, It's, it's great.
0: Great book. Now that book is about a guy whose company gets acquired by Facebook. It's a true story. His company gets acquired by Facebook. It's an ad tech company. And it's funny because You get the impression, in his interactions with Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg doesn't really care about advertising. He doesn't care at all. He just wants to delegate it to other people, mostly, which is fine. But it does make you wonder if a problem as complex as fraud that potentially inhibits growth of the company is really getting paid much heed at all. And, you know, together with that, like the other sign, the disconcerting sign, I was talking to Shalindar, who who introduced... You and I, he's the perhaps the the strongest voice against ad fraud in the industry. That's why I like talking to Shalin so much. But what he, you know, one thing he said about Facebook's Facebook acquired a company called LiveRail for something like 400 million, $450 dollars. Million. The CEO left shortly after, under like circumstances we don't know if it was fired or or not. But basically, the idea was like that was they were doing video in such a questionable way and so the question i'm getting at uh L-Liver was a was a video advertising company i believe the question i'm getting at is like does facebook care about this like do they because I, I feel like i've talked to talked to some people at facebook and they just have no idea that what ad fraud is they don't know that this exists they understand oh yeah there's bots all over twitter yeah there's bots all over facebook but they don't seem to realize those bots consume advertising
1: right And, you know, there's fake profiles and I have to believe that they care, right? I have to believe that they are actively, you know, taking action against advertising fraud and they're combating, you know, fraud in many different ways because it exists in so many different forms. So I I don't think Facebook is evil. I don't think Google is evil. But I also think that when you become so big and so centralized, you know, these, these mechanics kind of take shape and they fraud exists and you can't exactly just stop fraud and your incentives are not to stop fraud. I mean Facebook and Google are the wealthiest companies in the world. When you're printing money and that's that money's, you know, generated from online advertising, you have to look at all the incentives.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Augustin Fu, who does a lot of ad fraud research and you know, he was telling me just how much how easy it is to set up a data center traffic to to do fraudulent schemes and you can just have Mm -hmm. the the data centers running a headless browser making fake facebook accounts making fake twitter accounts making convincing user behavior and it's just it's so hard to prevent i mean you think about a problem like gmail where google is actually incentivized to prevent as much spam as possible and you still get spam in your inbox so so you take a problem where their incentives are not aligned where they actually make money off of fraud passing through their systems and it's I don't know, it's disconcerting. I'm with you that it's like, these are not evil companies. They're just big. They've got a lot on their hands. And it's like, well, do we really want to like, do we want to tackle this, you know, this huge problem over here? Do we want to go focus on VR and messaging and bots or like, you know, uh, chat bots? Or do we want to focus on ironing out the fraud in our ecosystem that nobody's complaining about? Eh, Let's let's focus on the chat bots and the the new newsfeed interface or something. It's like,
1: but if we don't do anything, if we don't focus on this problem, you know, there's a logical conclusion. You know, if you fast forward five years, what does that future look like for the internet? Because this issue is actually shaping, in my opinion, shaping the internet. Yes. The way content is consumed. Yes. The way it's distributed and monetized. The, you know, the tactics that content creators and publishers use to generate revenue. You know, the way Facebook operates and their algorithms and news feeds. You know, it, it's it's actually changing the way we express ourselves online. You know, the way we get our information and the way these companies, you know, build out their, their businesses. That could be a problem. And
0: <laughs> advertising fraud propagates fake news. This is one subtle point because when you create fake news that drives legitimate human traffic to mm-hmm. to a fake news site created by a Macedonian teenager that they just set up, that set up some WordPress site, set up beefrecipes.com or they set up like, TrumpsNewRules.com, and it's just got a bunch of fake news about Trump or fake news about beef recipes, and then they get people to navigate from Facebook to the fake news site, that can serve as a traffic laundering mechanism. So you get legitimate traffic, and then it becomes much easier to blast your site with data center traffic as well, and it becomes really hard for any kind of analytics system to be able to discern the traffic coming from a data center from the traffic coming from legitimate users that are clicking on fake news. So this problem is incentivizing people to create fake news because it makes the margins bigger.
1: And from that one blog or one site, you know, they can make sixty K a month yep. easy. Yep. If you were to go to the brands that actually were were monetizing and buying that inventory, you know, they're buying these impressions and serving out their campaigns. You know, if you ask them, this is the content that your ad was was viewed, would they be okay with mm-hmm. that? And a lot a lot of advertisers are like, absolutely not. You know, we don't want to associate our brand, you know, with this content or these views and opinions and this, you know, clickbait headline and this, you know, this WordPress site that's just, you know, capitalizing on fake news and the opinions are purely exaggerated just to, to monetize that content, drive traffic and to get paid out.
0: Now I think people who have been listening to this podcast for a while understand this problem at this point and we've recapped it pretty convincingly. Basically, it is a super sophisticated ecosystem of different players. There's data center traffic, there's all kinds of fraud and there's brands who are slowly becoming educated to this problem. Brand, you know, you have like Procter and Gamble or Nike or some like Gap, gap.com, right? Like these different brands that are slowly but surely realizing that most of their brand advertising well i don't want to say boast can't prove that with numbers but probably most of their brand advertising dollars are getting wasted on fraud or ineffective advertising strategies over time they're realizing things let's start to talk about the solutions potential solutions right. one of which is ad chain which you are working on in order to get an ad chain let's talk a little bit about blockchains because We've done a bunch of shows about Bitcoin, blockchains, Ethereum, this kind of stuff. But just give a recap. From an abstract point of view, you, you are you are not a programmer, correct?
1: Correct. No, I'm right. not.
0: So this will be a perfect opportunity for you to explain what a blockchain is from the utility point of view, not from the in-the-weeds, how does this work on a technical level, what is the utility of a blockchain, what is a blockchain?
1: Sure. A simple way to think of the blockchain is just an improved database. It's a shared source of truth. And it's most importantly, it's decentrally owned. So you can use this new type of database and build out these you know, decentralized applications and you can align incentives and provide on the trade layer or this application layer an opportunity to, to have a healthy ecosystem with aligned incentives. And it's not that you have to trust you know, the technology, the protocols. And another unique characteristic of blockchain is it's very secure. So through cryptography, you know, you're able to ensure the integrity of this data in the way it's stored is intact. And the beauty of it is it's a trustless environment. So when you use a blockchain, it's not limited in terms of, okay, if I have this web application, I have to abide by some centralized platforms, you know, policies. Or if I'm using their APIs, like you're kind of limited in a lot of ways. So this kind of unlocks a lot of opportunities for for web developers to build out, you know, unrestricted applications.
0: Absolutely. And let's get into some of those. So you listed the ideas of why a blockchain is this new sort of database. Start to talk about the abstract appealing features of a blockchain like we hear about blockchains potentially being used in finance or digital rights management for example for artists who are creating music what are the appealing features of a blockchain when you talk about a slightly higher level the business use cases
1: right right i think the appeal is really again the the ability to expose the business logic and from a business standpoint a lot of a lot of values derived from you know, your secret sauce, your intellectual property, and it could be some proprietary thing that you own and sell. Blockchain isn't about, you know, closed proprietary secret sauce. It's more about transparency and openness. And the opportunities, there's these, you know, these new opportunities now exist, where instead of relying on, let's say, going back to Facebook you know their proprietary algorithm you could use your own algorithm you can decide you know how you want to view you know your news feed how you know how twitter works you know how how instagram or snapchat works you can distribute and decentralize all of these these applications it's all peer to peer and it's so the the incentives really as a from on the business side is much different it's fundamentally different than what currently exists
0: what is ad chain this is the thing that we're here to talk about. It's a blockchain solution relating to advertising. Just explain what AdChain is.
1: Sure. So essentially AdChain is a set of protocols and standard interfaces that's built on Ethereum, the Ethereum blockchain, to provide you know, common business needs for online advertising. And I like to say that it's, you know, it's advertising's coordination platform because we, we don't want to bring ad chain to the industry and position ourselves as potential competitors to any of the entities that currently make up you know, the industry. You know, this is something that empowers everyone to add value and to, you know, to operate in this healthy ecosystem and have a hygienic supply chain instead of just this opaque black box of just everyone is, the, you know, no one trusts anyone. And a lot of the questions that the advertisers, brands, agencies, are asking can't be answered and the incentives are all out of whack so this is kind of a way to provide you know a standard that allows for you know fair trade for the entities to not have to trust each other and that's the beauty of the blockchain is it's it's so centralized but it's decentrally owned and it's kind of this weird way of of thinking about how to approach a lot of the problems that plague you know the industry it's a fundamentally different approach we're not just looking at the trade layer of the industry, where we we have these protocols. We work with DSPs, SSPs, exchanges, and then you have safety vendors for viewability and bot detection. Yeah, and Charlene Dar is great. He knows this stuff better than anyone. But the problem is much deeper than where everyone is looking and where everyone's talking about. And when you talk about you know data center and driving traffic and the headless browsers, recently you know methbot was discovered and this botnet was doing just that it was mimicking real people it was hosting you know web pages and they were they were representing these advertising opportunities coming from legitimate sites like ESPN or CNN or USA Today and you know driving traffic to these these pages and they were they were generating three to five million dollars a day you know from this this botnet and white ops discovered it but they just they're scratching the surface. They're kind of just taking a look and they're going, "Okay, there's there's a lot of fraud here. There's a lot of stuff going on that no one is really, you know, looking deep enough to really understand or see."
0: Let's use Methbot as an example. This I think Russian botnet that was just able to drag in millions and millions and millions of dollars. There's a great New York Times article about Methbot, about this botnet. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Let's take Methbot as an example. How would Adchain be a preventative measure against the problems that Methbot is taking advantage of?
1: Sure. So we're using what's called smart contracts. And these smart contracts are written in a blockchain language called Solidity.
0: That's the Ethereum and language.
1: And I'm probably correct. That's right. And what this will allow us to do is, when we run campaigns, when advertisers have their media spends planned out, and they work with their agency or their trade desk, or they bring this internally and use, you know, some form of an advertising bidder, they're using, you know, this technology for display or video campaigns, they would get to see the entire supply chain, and they would start to see patterns, and they work with safety vendors like WhiteOps, who who ultimately discovered MethBot, and White Ops would not have to make so many assumptions with their bot detection scripts and algorithms. They would be able to run, you know, their proprietary bot detection algorithms on a complete data set of the complete supply chain. Because we're tracking at the trade level with ad chains beacons and we're encrypting that data. And then we're using our ad chain, you know, smart contract and state channel blockchain, you know, technology and implementation on top of Ethereum to track and store this advertising data and it's permissionable. So when, when we open up this data to white ops, they're running their script on a, a complete data set that's ubiquitous across the entire supply chain and not just one data set. Cause even white ops, you know, admitted that this is just, you know, a sample of data from just our clients and we're releasing this publicly because we need the entire industry to help us combat this. And the thing about what we're doing with ad chain is that when we talk about governance, when we talk about, you know, regulatory bodies in our industry, they're not able to regulate their policies because they don't have the ability to regulate at a technology or protocol level. Okay. They provide guidelines. Hmm. This is the difference is we have this technology now utilizing hmm. blockchain that allows for enforcement at a protocol level. So that way when bought, you know, something like Methbot is discovered by white ops. You know they don't just announce it to the industry, saying you have to manually blacklist all of these known IPs across every single ad tech right. you know, entity in the industry. Whereas with something like AdChain, you can flip a switch and all of a sudden botnet right. stops. Botnet's still yeah. running. Like advertisers are still spending, and botnet is yeah. still running.
0: Okay, so you're pointing out a lot of interesting things because this is essentially the dream of what Ethereum smart contracts provide. It's basically, here is the way that this business works, not only codified in, like, a contract that, that is written, but in computer mm-hmm. code that that enforces that contract in an electronic way. And And what you're saying right. is that this provides less room for ambiguity because if you have to be, oh, I, I'm IAB compliant, I am, I'm complying with this API or this set of standards, that's a lot different than saying, yes, I am willing to integrate with the ad chain smart contract system that enforces the safety of traffic passing through my system. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. I mean, in the sense of smart contracts, you know, code is law. And when you break it down to the lowest level binary ones and zeros, it's math and you can trust math. And what we want to do is we want to bring this you know, undeniable trust to the industry because it, that's what it lacks. It lacks the ability to trust. Yeah. And you know, this is the only, in our opinion, you know, this is not just the optimal solution, but we feel like this could be one of the only solutions to solve all of these problems. And it's not that they have to trust us. It's just, here's this utility. Here's this, you know, this platform for you to coordinate with all of your partners that you already work with. Right. And and that's the approach that we're we're taking.
0: Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, as you were telling me about this over the phone, like, I started to understand, like, and it's not, it's not necessarily a boil the ocean approach because you could see, companies adopting this over time, sort of in the same way that they adopt, they've adopt, they adopted things like these verification systems, are you a human, or what are the other ones, uh, moat, I think, is moat one of them? Is...
1: For viewability. For right. viewability. Moat's another big one. There's double verify. Double verify. Right.
0: So these things where you like throw in a JavaScript tag on your page mm-hmm. to verify that the visitor to your site is a human or is closer to a human, more likely to be a human, these are differentiators for publishers who want to sell traffic to advertisers. And you could see the ad chain process also being a certification process where you say, okay, this site interfaces with ad chain, and then there's a network effect there where the more companies that integrate with the ad chain system, the smarter the ad chain system is, so you get this positive feedback loop. Is am I understanding the rollout process correctly?
1: You're right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the more adoption, the stronger the chain. Hmm. And you know, the more powerful ad chain becomes, you know, for the industry. And when you look at the publisher side. If they interface with ad chain, they can prevent. You know, they could protect themselves from malware, which is a big problem. You know, for publishers. And then on the advertising side. You know, they get to audit the entire trail of the campaign and have transparency into the supply chain of this advertising campaign. And when you hash or if you if you run an advertising creative, like the actual creative file, through you know, ad chain, what you could do is you execute this smart contract, you save essentially save this or hash this creative file in the form of this smart contract. And if somewhere along the supply chain this creative file changes it will not serve it will not be tracked because it has been altered and that is going to be exciting for a lot of advertisers because a lot of the opportunities or advertising placements are modified where you know for example going to video if you as an advertiser think you're buying large player traffic or impressions you're actually running your video ad in a small player mm. so the dimensions of the player size have been altered somewhere in the supply chain mm. and you're paying for large player premium advertising you know inventory when you're actually paying for really small you know video in banner replacement right. video and this is just like if the dimensions don't match the ad doesn't serve. Yeah. You know, it, and it's it's that simple.
0: So one thing I mean, when we talk to people about Ethereum or like Ethereum related things, there's like there's like people who have very substantive things and they have substantive idea well so there's a spectrum. There's like the substantive ideas, there's the substantive ideas that have been implemented or they're starting to implement, they actually have code behind their words. And then there's like the non substantive ideas and then there's the non substantive ideas that nonetheless have code written for them. Where mm-hmm. does ad chain fit here? Do you have progress? Have you has the code been written? Do you have any integrations going?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have our prototype now and we have a pilot running, you know, as we speak. You know, we're tracking, you know, impressions and we're we're storing performance data in Ethereum. And we have an interface for our participants in this pilot to check performance. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the ability to automatically resolve any disputes in the performance metrics. You know, because a lot, a lot of the advertisers right now are, are auditing, you know, their campaign spend. You know, for for 2016, there's just a lot going on in the industry, and you know, this is a neutral utility that answers a lot of the questions and it allows for everyone to look at the same set of data and to agree to the billable metric. And if there's a discrepancy, there's these market signals that surface. And if there's major discrepancies somewhere in the supply chain, it's exposed. And over time, you know, this market driven approach will essentially resolve itself. And we don't want to we're not saying we can stop fraud. You know, ad chain doesn't stop fraud. But what it does is it allows the industry to align incentives and to to show, hey, I'm adding value, and over time, de incentivize fraud and just push it out, push it out of this new this new protocol.
0: Absolutely. So, what has been the feedback from the people who have integrated with AdChain?
1: Right. So the feedback is, I would say, overwhelmingly positive. However, depending on who you are, there is a little bit of caution here, and you know, we don't expect everyone to, you know, first fully understand what it is we're doing here because it is complicated. I mean, ad tech itself is extremely complicated. And now we're taking, you know, blockchain technologies, which is extremely complicated and we're bringing the two (laughs) together. So having to explain to the industry what exactly blockchain could mean for them and why this is important when we talk about fraud, you know, you kind of have to unwrap that. But for the most part, if you have this new approach and you talk to an advertising agency saying this is how you can secure media spend and this is how you can earn new advertising business by providing value and proving it mathematically, not just saying you have to trust us, we're gonna, you know, watch after your your campaign budgets and look after your best interests. Because that that sales pitch is getting old. Yes. And advertisers are demanding, you know, more. And if you can't prove ROI, you know, advertisers are, are gonna go elsewhere. And, you know, this is a solution for the agency and the advertiser as well as the rest of the supply chain.
0: Absolutely. I mean, can you talk more about that? Because I feel like there are probably people listening who, there's probably at least one or two people listening who are building some sort of business on a blockchain and they're trying to figure out, is it too early or what is the narrative that I should try to sell to my customers to make sure that I am conveying this product correctly so I can know whether it's too early. Maybe can you talk
1: Yeah, sure. I don't think it's too early. If you look at the adoption of, you know, blockchain, and you look at this 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 growth rate, and you look at the early days of the internet, you know, leading up to, you know, the internet as we know it now, there's this adoption yeah. rate. This I mean, blockchain is taking off because of the need yeah. for it.
0: Well, that's and, that's the thing. You know, that's the thing the, is that people are like Like, I remember talking to these, I think I talked to multiple Bitcoin investors. When I was doing the first series of shows about Bitcoin, this was, like, a year and a half ago. And I think Bitcoin was, like, at this place in the hype cycle where the people who didn't really understand it but had invested in it nonetheless were starting to get fatigued. And they were like, ah, I'm done with Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not trendy. And it was like, like, you must not understand it then because, like, this is a fundamental technological breakthrough. This is not like a... Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. It's like, no, this is just a matter of time until it works.
1: Right. So I think there's, once you understand, you can't unknow it. Right. And it's just a matter of time. It's inevitable. You know, those who understand it know it. And there's also the fear of missing out. So there's this strong force that's compelling, you know, major corporations to jump on the blockchain before they even know what it is. You know, fintech and finance is a great example because as soon as Bitcoin you know was this new exciting you know digital currency and then banks were looking at this new underlying blockchain technology as a way to save billions of dollars you know they're like let's do this and it's not a matter of of if it's just how can we start to integrate this new technology into our day-to-day operations
0: explain how a bank saves billions of dollars from blockchain
1: so if they want to audit that's costly and if they want to reconcile, you know, data across their global bank, that's costly. You know, there's these efficiencies that are realized when you use a central database that's encrypted and, and secure like blockchain. If you can unlock that for your organization, there are tremendous savings. And that's, that's like almost instant. You realize these savings. And then you can build value on top of this new database. And I think that's the real appeal to web developers that are, are kind of exploring, you know, blockchain technologies, is that you don't necessarily have to understand how to write solidity. You don't really fully have to understand smart contracts, because there's really only a few people that truly understand and are good at writing smart contracts. So it's, it's something that is complicated. But if you understand the framework and the tooling around blockchain is is quickly evolving as well and there's more and more documentation there's more and more of these these projects and developer tools that exist and and as long as you know these tools exist and you know we can start to educate web developers they can start building out their own web applications utilizing their existing you know skill sets and this is the opportunity for web developers is to build out a decentralized application on top of you know, Ethereum or or Bitcoin Mm. and start to realize these values. And it's not just the savings and efficiencies, but also unique business opportunities Mm. and the ability to build out an application that's decentralized Mm. and it's fundamentally different. So I think once web developers really start to understand what this is and why it's different, I think that's when we're going to start to see an explosion of just more applications where I could Imagine that people start to use web applications that interface with the blockchain and they don't even know it.
0: So, I want to zoom out here because we're running up against time. I'm obviously very interested in the advertising business, partly because I'm working on an advertising company. And what I wonder about is like, what are the fundamental changes that are going to occur in advertising in the next 10 years? Like, I think, like so ad chain definitely makes a lot of sense to me. And, but at the same time i do wonder is the search for metrics driven advertising like cpm driven advertising is this ultimately going to be a dead end because it feels like the bot problem feels unsolvable to me it feels like something that is like it's too hard or i mean maybe maybe that's like the pessimistic side of me i'm normally like such an optimist with anything related to technology but the bot problem is is so pernicious, the incentives are so poorly aligned that it seems like there is an alternative thread that we go down where advertisers just say, you know, this is just a crappy way to be spending our budget where we look at how many views we've gotten, how many clicks we've gotten. Let's try something where it's like, you know, more like the old good old billboard days where it's like, how creative is this advertisement? Like how, how many people are talking about this advertisement? How viral is this advertisement in the sense that, like, does this ad actually connect with people on a human level? Ads should be entertaining, ultimately.
1: Yeah. I mean, in many ways, we are going kind of full circle when when we're talking about advertising. And when we talk about the current, you know, standard billable metric of cost per, you know, thousand advertising impressions, there's nothing better at generating impressions than bots. There's nothing more efficient than a machine to generate scale. So when we standardize the CPM cost per thousand you know, metric as the billable metric for, for digital advertising, and all of the supply chain entities that make up the online advertising industry get paid and pay out on a CPM, even the safety vendors that detect fraud and bots are paid on a CPM. These incentives are not in the best interest of preventing fraud. If anything, it's like your only incentive is to do to away with fraud as much as your competitor. You know, fraud needs to exist for a lot of the industry. And when you look at something like blockchain, you know, you could start thinking of a different payment model where it's not CPM, it's more of like attention. So you have these like attention markets that would exist potentially. And from a fundamental level, you know, it will reshape the industry. And I think it would be for the better.
0: Yeah. All right, Adam or Ken. <laughs> Why did I call you Adam? I, think I was gonna say ad chain. I, I was gonna say ad chain, and then I said Adam. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> not getting enough sleep. This presidency is really eating up my sleep habits. Okay. Well, Ken. I,
1: I forget. I forget which comedian said it, but he said the presidency is supposed to age the president, <laughs> not. It's not supposed to age the people. Because I'm exhausted too. Yeah. I'm exhausted.
0: Yeah. It's like you wake up every morning and it's like, I thought that the cravings that Facebook drove me, like to see what notification from like some old high school friend or some cute girl that might have liked a picture, I thought that was like as dopamine rushing as it could get. But flipping over to Apple News and seeing what kind of crazy stuff Trump has cooked up is like a new level of wake up get to my phone anxiety all right okay cool well well thanks thanks for coming on the show ken i wanted to talk about vidroll some but we didn't make i don't know if people are interested they could check out vidroll definitely check out ad chain and thanks for coming on software engineering daily
1: yeah thanks for having me wow